Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with Aaron Keller. And today, for the first time, as Julie Bless is Julie Watson, is who you know her as, but she just got married. Congrats, Julie. Thanks, the artist formerly known as Julie Watson. That's what I go by. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just continue to refer to you as, how about just Julie? There we go. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. And then we have Cynthia Scholl with UNR's Museum of Natural History. Great to have you here. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. Of course. And we're in our podcast room, which is kind of exciting, and off of Zoom, which is, we've had those awkward Zoom podcasts the last year and whatever, so it's just great to be back. Um, We brought you two in today because we wanted to talk about the Nevada Nature Blitz, which if you follow us on Facebook, you've probably seen posts about it. Julie's been working away, posting on it, trying to get information out there. So Julie, do you just want to start us off by explaining what it is for people who haven't seen the post? Yes. So Cynthia actually approached me about us partnering and um, we have a couple other organizations partnering with us as well for this for a summer iNaturalist challenge, which we did one with Bugs and Butterflies last year. Uh, Cynthia and I are also on the board of Bugs and Butterflies, so this wasn't an Endow sanctioned event, but um, Endow has done internally iNaturalist events, and so we had a blueprint for how we would kind of want to do it, and we wanted to make it for anyone in Nevada and for a long project, so anyone can become involved. And it's using the application iNaturalist, and do you want to talk more about the the app, iNat? Sure. So INA is an amazing community science platform that is used by a whole range of people from very much amateurs to professional scientists. And so you can put any uh, living thing on INAT and it will be identified by the by everyone, right? That's It's a totally open source thing, which is amazing. So uh, we can use skills of anyone to help us in identifying things. So that means that you can participate both by taking pictures of organisms and by helping identify them. Yeah, so the project is anyone in Nevada can participate. And if you use this application, you can upload it to our project. You do have to go in and join it. It's called the Summer Nevada Nature Blitz. And it has Endow's logo and UNR's logo on it. It's pretty easy to tell what it is. And anything that you upload between the dates of May 15th and September 15th, they do have to be in Nevada, which I'm realizing how much I recreate in California (laughs) (laughs) because none of my stuff is counting because it is a, it's a very, it's a geographical barrier. uh, So nothing in California will count or Utah or any of our neighboring states, which I know a lot, a lot of the larger Areas in Nevada are close to the borders, so you got to make sure that you're in Nevada. But people can submit anything, and we have had, it started May 15th, we've had um, 4,006 observations. Wow. Which is amazing. That's 
that's awesome. And then species. So those are just peer observations, but obviously we have people that submit the same things because they're seeing a lot of the same things. So we've had 1,003 species as of today, which is a big milestone passing 1,000 species, which is really, so that's measuring diversity. So we've got 4,000 observations and then 1,000 different species within those 4,000 observations. Yeah. And uh, we have 94 observers so far. There's 164 members. So we've got some members of the project that are not doing anything yet. They need to get out and observe, which I'm probably one of those. (laughs) How many observers did you say there were? We have 96. Well, then there's hope, though, that that number is going to go way up as these members are observing. Yes. Yes. And we're trying to get people to participate. We've We've had one challenge so far in that, well, we're currently doing a second one that was for the entire month of June um but well I guess we have three we have three, we've had we're three yes two concurrently right now yes exactly so the first challenge was plant diversity so whoever finds the most species of plants within one week and we already had our winners we have to send them their prizes still uh and right now for this week it's pollinators on flowers which is very specific, but I've already caught some really cool pictures in the project. So we wanted people to be looking for pollinators and we wanted them to go to flowers. So there's kind of a twofer. There's flowers and pollinators in the photo. And then of course we have our hashtag wild 30 for the month of June, challenging everyone to get outside every single day in June and submit something in iNaturalist. I'll just back up and talk a little bit about pollinators that um, sometimes you don't think of beetles and flies and wasps as the most important pollinators, but they actually are. And you can't always tell. um, I am somewhat of an insect expert, and I still can't always tell what would be or not be a pollinator. So we made the challenge to be a flower visitor. So you sort of see it in the act of pollinating, and then you can guess that it is probably a pollinator. So like a lot of adult wasps feed themselves nectar, but then their larvae need animals or insects to eat because they need more protein. So you, and that's a big thing about, you know, could tie into insect life cycles where you have these different life cycle, different parts of life cycles with different needs. And so the larva is really, the whole job of it is to grow. To do that, it needs protein. So sometimes I might sort of guess that a wasp would eat even meat as an adult, but lots of times for our solitary wasps, so not yellow jackets or things, solitary wasps, they as adults are going to need nectar. It's hmm. so fun having an insect person on. I mean, Julie's technically. Yeah, I'm not an expert at all. I'm an enthusiast. She, she yeah. loves them, though. We, we take her enthusiasm. Yeah. Yes, I'm an enthusiast, yeah. not an expert. It's so fun having that on here because I don't even know if we have had an insect expert on here. So it's great to have you. Yeah. And I do want to ask you, um, Julie said that you actually approached her. So how did you come up with this? So idea and wanting to do this. If you're in northern Nevada, you might know about Day at the Museum, which is an annual event usually in the spring where visitors are welcome to all, most of the museums at UNR. And because of the pandemic, we couldn't have that. Usually, though, in the Natural History Museum, the last few years, 
before the pandemic, we saw up to um, 750 visitors in a single day. And so I really wanted to somehow reach that many um, members of our community in a different way. And so we decided to do this iNaturalist project and have it last through the summer to give families and individuals lots of time to get out and observe nature. The other thing is that I wanted to use the amazing expertise and enthusiasm that we have for our grad students at UNR who are in biology and related fields. And uh, I thought a great way to do that would be to have them help ID things on iNaturalist. Nice. So they're on there too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. that's actually something that I wanted to cover for sure is that the observations that people make can be can become research grade oh. but we want to make sure that there's you know people that have credentials positively IDing things and you've had students or colleagues use data from iNaturalist yes. for studies yes so I could talk a little bit about that um, probably the way that um, people in my field use it a lot is so I study butterflies that's what I studied in grad school some of my friends who are now in grad school when you study a certain kind of butterfly you often need to find the larvae, the babies and to do that you need to know what plant they eat and where that plant grows and so you can use iNaturalist to find the plant that you're looking for so one of my friends Aramie studies monarchs on milkweed and so she's used iNaturalist to find new populations of milkweed. Uh, <clears throat> but I have used it too to find plants for, um, there's lots of things that actually eat stinging nettle, so a common riparian plant, but you can find Milbert's tortoise shells, butterflies, and um, red admiral butterflies, and sometimes west coast lady butterflies all eating this plant. And so if you know where it is, where a nice big stand of it is, you can go and look for those caterpillars. So that's one way that we sort of casually use the information that's really important. Another thing would be one of the um, scientists at UNR who is a butterfly scientist, Matt Forster. I did my master's with him. He recently, uh, along with a set of collaborators, published a, a paper in the journal Science. So if you don't know, um, biologists communicate with each other by publishing papers. Uh, being in science is sort of a big deal. <laughs> so I'm very proud of Matt and it was really exciting to have this study. Um, but he was looking at declines in Western butterflies and he used three sort of different kinds of data, data sets, and one of them was from iNaturalist. So um, just incredibly important to monitor biodiversity around us. And as someone who studies insects, there are not as many sort of paid professionals to study these things, especially in Nevada, especially, especially in Nevada. So I, I think about this a lot in the context of the Natural History Museum and in a community science program like this. We do not even know how this data will be used in the future or how important it could become. So just having That's a true. record of what can be found here now is in incredibly important. And it's just cool that so people listening, they hear 
how important this data could be in the future. There's no telling. Um, so anyone listening could take part of this and be helping with yes. collecting data and research that yeah. could end up being extremely important. And maybe we should go back and talk about that a little bit just to be clear that you can use iNaturalist both on a uh, mobile app on your phone, but you can also use it on uh, just a web browser. So that means maybe depending if you already like uh, some sort of wildlife photography, you might have a very fancy camera and have really good bird shots or butterfly pictures, something like that. You could take those pictures and add them um, on, good on the website. Those and are I probably welcomed. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Encouraged. And <laughs> I think um, if you really want to get into identifying things and using iNaturalist more, using it on the web browser is much more user friendly. You can see a lot more options. But um, I was sort of hesitant uh, to start using iNaturalist and then I started using it on my phone and realized it takes no time. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're more like the quick and dirty or you're a busy parent, then I think it's great to uh, use it on your phone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, lots of good information. And I feel like we still have plenty to talk about. So keep listening to Nevada Wild. We're going to be right back after this quick break. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are joined by Julie, our wildlife educator, we'll call you. She's just all things wildlife. And then we have Cynthia Scholl with UNR's Museum of Natural History talking about the Nevada Nature Blitz, which as you were saying before the break, people are excited about. They're getting involved basically just recording observations through iNaturalist. So do you two want to talk about some of the fun observations we've had of some of the different I mean there's so many different things people could be observing through this app yeah so during the break we were just talking about how there's so many species of insects out there and they're not well studied and it's hard to get to a full ID and I think one of the cool things about the data that we're seeing is plant species are the most observed which obviously it's a stationary object mm -hmm. so very easy to get a picture of it but the second most are insects and so iNaturalist and projects like this are really, really helpful because we have an entire arsenal of people. I have a map here of where observations have been taken in Nevada, and it's literally the entire state. Like, obviously, we have the hot spots in Vegas and Reno, but literally north to south, east, east to west, there are observations. So people are finding those insects in all of those areas, and we can learn so much more from all of that data. I would say for me, there's a lot of community science projects about insects where Nevada is just blank. So I can think about that in terms of some bumblebee programs and certainly some monarch programs where there is, there's no sightings from the Great Basin in Nevada. And so I'm so excited that this is sh just have that geographic range through Nevada. Mm -hmm. And within the observations that we've seen, there's been some cool ones like cicadas 
have been fun for me personally being from the east and missing brood x brood 10 sorry brood 10's emergence the 17 what? year cicadas what is it oh the got it you're gonna have to send her big... the link yeah so she can read up on it yeah uh, all my friends are co- out east are complaining about all the cicadas. It's and I'm been like, disrupting life. Yes, I'm yes. like, please send me photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a misconception that there aren't cicadas on the west coast. And I'm like, you're wrong. There, it's not like the east coast where they're screaming and it you can't sleep. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they are here. <laughs> so we've gotten lots of cicada sightings, which has been really neat. Um, I'm just thinking, so one other way that we're reaching the pro- the public with this program is through some webinars, and maybe we should do a webinar about cicada diversity in yes. Nevada. why not? So yeah. we could put up some um, of the findings from the INAP project and see. I don't personally know a lot about cicadas. The most number of cicadas I've ever seen in Nevada as in the tiny slice of the White Mountains by Boundary Peak that's in Nevada. I did some field work yep. there two summers, and so I saw a lot of cicadas there. But I actually didn't take time to ID <laughs> what species they were. <laughs> oh so no. I think there's a lot for us all to learn about <laughs> <Yeah>. cicadas. <laughs> about cicadas, yeah. Yeah, I was that telling a story a about the, what I thought was a cicada that I caught at Lake Tahoe this weekend, and you guys were grilling me with, Questions yeah. about so we're gonna we're gonna get a picture <laughs> <laughs> from you and we're like gonna include it <laughs> in I the drew, webinar. I drew the tiniest know. little sketch <laughs> of what I it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It wasn't very descriptive. on his paper. Yeah. Yeah, but there's so many observations out there, and we talked a little bit about how there's identifiers within the app and then there's also the contributors and the identifiers are going to have a party today yes which that's a really cool thing having Cynthia and you and are involved yeah so I think there's always a lot of knowledge um within some of the biology grad students at UNR and so for this project, I'm very excited to get them together, and we're going to have pizza tonight and do our best to identify some more of the observations. So sometimes plants and insects are actually really hard <laughs> to identify from photos, so we could circle back around about to some tips for taking good photos. But um, even as experts, it's a lot of work. So we're going to be sitting with our guides today and maybe some keys and see if we can work through some more of the trickier um, observations that we haven't been able to identify yet. So I might just talk for a second about what um, makes a good picture. So yes, uh, maybe I'll, s- I'll start with plants and say that often it's the reproductive part, so the flower or the seed that we really want a good photo of. But then... Um <coughs> The botanists, I know who I asked to identify things from photographs. If you only have a pretty flower picture, they're going to say, but what did the leaves look like and how big was it and what was the habitat? So you actually need two photos. You need one of the reproductive parts or a close-up of just the leaves if there's no reproductive parts at that time, and then a picture of the whole plant. So you can sort of get a sense for how big it is and general... um, sort of leaf shape and stem shape of of the whole plant, whether it's a woody plant or not. Um, And then for insects, 
identifying them can be really tricky. You're often counting hairs or looking at the uh, shape of the veins in the wings. We call that wing vein venation. That's hugely important for identifying flies and wasps. Um, so you want to have as clear and close of a photo for an insect as you possibly can. Good to know. How many photos can somebody submit? As and many as they yeah. can get. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So if there's something that you really want to know what it is, I would say try to get two or three good photos from different angles, yeah. and that'll really help us. Um, I'm talking very much from a plant and insect perspective because those are things that I'm interested in, and those are actually things that we have the most observations for. Mm -hmm. um, for a bird, I had a super blurry picture of a western tanager that I took with my phone and there was no problem for <laughs> <laughs> ornithologists <laughs> to identify my incredibly blurry picture. <laughs> so it sort of depends on the taxonomic group what makes a good photo. That's yeah. true. We have been talking a lot about insects, but yeah, it's I was almost thinking insects only, but it's really all yeah. Yeah. pollinators. Well, and Ashley, you know all the submissions of what is this that gets sent to oh, us? We get so many. That's half of our inbox is yeah. identification. Is, so is photos. Submit your photos on here. On iNaturalist. Yeah. Well, someone could actually if you identify. submit a lizard or a bird, you're going to get a response in a few days. Probably. And that's something so. we totally skipped with the app, too, that I really like is it, it has AI in it or recognition software and if you take a good enough picture and it's something common enough it will suggest an ID right away okay. and so you choose that ID and so like well actually I've used it with pictures that have gotten sent to us and I'll put it in there and be like what are they suggesting and then it gets me and then I can go like cross reference oh, it with other things sheet. yeah but that's that's to nice. double check like is this what I thought it was yeah. I would back up and say it's sort of a cheat but it also for me is a I would love to be a good botanist someday <laughs> <laughs> learning insects is already sort of a big goal <laughs> so learning plants too <laughs> a lot for one lifetime we'll see but um <laughs> I think if you are into botany and you just want to learn a little more the AI uh, suggestions of identification for plants is an incredible learning tool. That's so. a good point because like spiders, it's really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the more people submit, the better it gets. It gets. So. Yeah. so bottom line, people get on there and submit pictures. Yeah. And I would say I'm, s I'm looking for um, more families to get on there. Yes. So if you have kids, I think it's a, you know, uh, use the app with them, but I think it's an incredible thing to go out when you're in your park, a park or in your backyard, anything interesting that you see. Yeah, and anyone pictures. listening that has kids knows that yeah. it's like, what is this? What is this? What is that? What is this? Right. So mm -hmm. if you have this app, that's a good You'll point have all too. the answers and we you'll be like a superhero. Oh, yeah. We've Your kids will be so impressed. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we've been talking about how important the app is to research, but at the same time, it's a great family activity yes. mm -hmm. yep. for people with kids. Yeah. And there's actually a more child-friendly sister app to it called Seek, where you don't even have to snap a picture and it'll start. You just hover the camera over. And then you can still submit it to iNaturalist. Oh, okay. They talk to each other. Hmm. And there's like badges. And it's definitely more kid friendly, but the badges are pretty cool. <laughs> You're <laughs> a little jealous. Seriously. Oh, no, I, I'm yeah. motivated. I yeah. use that app. We, we have Julie. She's our resident nerd. Yeah, <laughs> she really is. Um, well, I do want to give a shout out to our upcoming webinars. Yes. This There's going to be a, multiple webinars. Yes. So we've all, we are going to have. We have Thursday at 7 p.m. basically blocked off 
every week. Not every week we'll have a webinar though. We're not we're not pushing ourselves to have one every single week, but we do have a lot coming up and we've already done two. So Cynthia and I did one where we basically just highlighted the app and um, gave some of those photography tips. And then Kevin Burles from Nevada Bugs and Butterflies did one last week on pollinators. That was amazing if you want to learn more about differentiating bees and wasps. It was really, really good. So those will be up on YouTube. And then tomorrow we have one, which I don't know when this will come out. So it, it'll be up on YouTube eventually if you miss it, but it's on Duck ID. And then on July 8th, we'll have one on Birds of Prey. And on July 22nd, we'll have one on owls. And then on July 29th, Cynthia is joining us with Nadia, um, another Bugs and Butterflies person on uh, Butterfly ID and then also more photography tips, which is, I, it's, I think it's going to be great. So Nice. Yeah. Yes. So check out, all of those are posted. Julie's actually, uh, I don't want to call scrolling. you out. She's scrolling <laughs> through our Facebook <laughs> events because they're all posted there. And what are the dates of this all again? Because it sounds like we have it set up through the entire length of our Blitz. So what are the dates of the Blitz? that you could be recording observations may 15th to september 15th got it so yeah. it's we got a few months months yeah lots of time to still get out there yes and so w we welcome any number of observations or identifications in the project so even if you just have one really cool insect you saw this summer and you want to know what it is this would be your chance to figure it out if you want to go out every day <laughs> <laughs> for the month and win the wild 30 for june <laughs> you could go ahead and do that too yeah, and it's not too late either. If you didn't start in May, it doesn't really matter. We probably will have some special prize for someone who submits the most or something like that. But I'm so anyway, off yeah. track with time right now. I'm like, when does it start May 11th? Because I forgot we're already almost to July. Yes, so exactly. It's not too late yeah. to get in. It's there not at too all. late to join. We're doing challenges all summer long. Um, and we can message you on the iNaturalist app, which is cool. So like you don't even have to be paying attention on our social medias for things, but you should still pay attention to our social medias for things. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> There's lots of resources pertaining to this specifically. So very cool. Well, it was so fun to have both of you here. Cynthia, we got to get you back in as our Sounds great. insect expert yeah. here. I'm happy to come back. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and thanks, Julie. Bless, as always. It was exciting to have you. With your thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.